Good morning, good night, good day. It is a new day for me. And I'd like to start today off with a poem. I do not choose to be a common man. It is my right to be uncommon, if I can. I seek opportunity, not security. I do not wish to be a kept citizen, humbled and dulled by having the state look after me. I want to take the calculated risk, to dream and to build, to fail and to succeed. I refuse to barter incentive for a dole. I prefer the challenges of life to the guaranteed existence, the thrill of fulfillment to the stale calm of utopia. I will not trade freedom for beneficence, nor my dignity for a handout. I will never cower before any master, nor bend to any threat. It is my heritage to stand erect, proud and unafraid. To think and act for myself, enjoy the benefit of my creations, and to face the world boldly and say, this I have done. When I read that poem, it speaks to me. For me, given my path that I've chosen to take over the last 10 years, I've done it all my way. And I realized being so far from home in this current moment and being so deep and immersed into my purpose at this present time that there really is no right or wrong. My true feelings when it comes to pursuing your purpose are that there is not the one thing that we are here to do. We are here to do all things, all things in purpose. So what I'm saying is that there were mistakes made. There have been failures accomplished dare I say. However, in those mistakes, in those moments of doubt and defeat, in those failures came my lessons, came the virtues that you're receiving in these moments. So was it not all beautiful? One of the many questions that I receive on a daily basis, because I talk to hundreds a week, whether it's in person or online, is how do I find my purpose? And what I feel that people are truly wanting is to see a mountain that they have to conquer because a mountain is going to stand erect above the horizon. Therefore, you can see clearly what it is you need to do and how to approach it. But unfortunately for me and my life's experience, that's not how purpose works. Purpose isn't something to attack. In my personal opinion and belief, purpose is something to be. The Tao says that when you do things for others, fulfillment follows. I personally believe that purpose is rooted in service. If we all are kings and queens, the first decree of such the crown is to serve the people. So when people ask me questions about seeking purpose, my first response is, how are you serving? For me, I found purpose in serving others. It was only two years ago when I moved to Los Angeles from Atlanta, Georgia, after a seven-year tenure of being the top trainer in that city, doing things that others weren't doing, reaching places others weren't reaching, and just being an overall badass in the industry. But when I relocated to Los Angeles, I needed to know how deeper can I go into what I don't. Basically, I know my strengths, but what are the gifts that continue to make room for me? I found this foundation called fate that was servicing humankind. Their spectrum was clean water. However, they were doing things on Skid Row and Watts with kids, with adults, and it just looked so amazing. I just needed to be a part of that because I felt that was the best way to spend my time. After giving so much of myself to one thing, I felt that maybe I could reach down and pull from different parts. And that's exactly what happened. I hit the ground running. 
And it was in serving that I realized more about the gifts God had given me, not the strengths that had kept me, but the gifts that continued to make room for me, the gifts that put me in rooms where I wasn't qualified to be, the gifts that put me in front of people that I wasn't qualified to be in front of, the gifts that continued to guide me through life's thresholds, serving enabled me to tap into those. Before you know it, the leadership, the character, the intensity that made me head and shoulders above other trainers now made me perfect for this purposeful place of service that the foundation needed. I eventually became the chief ambassador and that's partly why I'm able to be in Southeast Asia right now looking at this rain fall from the sky to the ground reminding me of how everything is cleansing at all times and we're always evolving. It's beautiful. But the decree, the mindset, the voice in my head of me not wanting to be the common man, of me not wanting to be kept by the state, of me wanting to see all of my failures and succeeds manifest so that I can stand back and say, wow, Look what I created. That's who I am at the core. So that is going to guide me to purpose. Because that makes me blinded to anything that's not. I'm not good to work for anybody else. I'm not good to do things that seem comfortable. I'm conditioned to aspire. I'm programmed for purpose. I'll die seeking my purpose. And that's what inspires the people. And that's what inspires you. The average man can count on his hands what I've done right. But you, but them, They understand it's what I'm doing, period. To even have the audacity to create, to even have the audacity to destroy, to be of the mind where you're more inspired by what you birth than you are traumatized by what dies. The entire journey of the hero is the flicker in the eyes. It's you qualifying yourself For life. Not for a job, not for a title. But for a life fulfilled from the day you open your eyes to the day that you close them. That is what that poem is about. That's who you're listening to. That's what I want for you. To have the intestinal fortitude to in this moment make a choice that changes the rest of your life. Like I've done so many times. Like I'm doing now. Like I did a month ago when I decided I'm not going to get a return flight to L.A. Not yet. I'm going to dig deeper. And then the logical mind kicks in when you make these types of choices in purpose, for purpose. Right? You then begin to say, well, what about this and that? What about my responsibilities? What about my obligations, my commitments? And does that save you? And do those keep you? I was talking to my business partner the other day. Um, We have a community center in Los Angeles that is currently going through some changes right now. And it's going to become something else over time. It was his first entrepreneurial journey, venture rather, and... He said, you know, Corey, for me, the success was never about how long the community center lasted. The success was me getting over my fear of starting something. I didn't speak. I let him have that moment because I could tell he was being genuine. When I felt the time was right, I added to that. And I said, and that's all we're doing while we're here on this planet. 
overcoming things to produce fruit for the people. And as the Tao says, when the work is done, it is forgotten. And that is why it lives forever. So therefore, it's not even about how long the community center that we erected stays open. It's not about how shiny the floors are. It's not about who cosigns its existence. It's about all of the people that we've already served by simply starting it. Once you produce, don't you understand that is all God wants? Once you overcome whatever block that is blocking you, don't you understand that is when the journey begins? I need you to stay with me here. Purpose is not a destination. It's a journey that continues to unfold as you continue to be bold enough to go deeper. I dare you to write the idea on paper. I dare you to draw up a proposal. I dare you to pitch your purpose to a person. I dare you to build. I dare you to spend more hours building, more hours challenging yourself, more hours overcoming thyself, thy fear, thy doubt in your mind. I dare you to live a life consumed with purposeful things. And then you'll begin to understand that it's a feeling you have that guides you, not a red flag in the sand to aim at. I do not wish to be the common man. Do you? Do you wish to be common? Or do you aspire to be uncommon amongst uncommon people? Well, I can tell you one thing. Do the uncommon thing. And decide today that you'd rather die having lived life on purpose than live another day rooted in stability. This can go deep, you guys. But I'm going to choose at this point to stop. We need time to process. We need space for our logical mind to suggest alternate thoughts or contrast views, right? We need time to go back and forth with ourselves about, but what about this? But what about that? And I'm going to give you that time. But in the meantime, I want you to replay this entire message. Because even in this moment, this message is purpose. You can feel it. And I want you to connect to it one more time. Before you challenge it with your logical mind. Agree to do that in this moment, Ashe. I look forward to leading you and guiding you and living my life so that I can produce more fruit for your consumption over the time that God gives me. Again, this message is not for me, it's for the people. If you find it in your heart, please share it. This has been another Purpose Podcast with your host, I am Corey Taylor. Until we meet again, shalom. Nothing in nature is rushed, yet everything comes out perfect. Lao Tzu. Good day, good night, good evening, wherever you are in the world. This is another Purpose Podcast. I'm your host, Corey Taylor. Today, family, I'd like to talk about one of, if not the, greatest weakness in us all. We hear it all the time in all of the passages of all of the ancient books and scrolls since the beginning of time. We heard it in school. We hear it in songs. We even hear it from the entrepreneurs and the millionaires and billionaires that have these talks and lectures and workshops. And in my personal life, it tends to be a reoccurring theme, but in different ways. 
If I can think back to when I started my entrepreneurial journey in 2010, I had just got back from Atlanta, Georgia after spending um, 4th of July there with some friends. And being from a small town of Nashville, Tennessee, Atlanta seemed like Saudi Arabia to me. I had never seen that many black and brown people thriving. I had never seen that many buildings. I had never seen those types of cars or felt that type of energy. And the best part of it all was that it was young people like me in that ecosystem, living that life. I'll never forget when I got back to Nashville, how small my room in my mom's house felt. How little my car looked in the driveway (laughs) and just how normal things seemed to be when I compared them to Atlanta. I remember telling myself, wow, I can't wait to go back. It wasn't too long after that that a best friend, the best friend in my life, send me a link to a video. The video was a speaker by the name of Earl Nightingale, very, 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 very ancient self-development coach. And Earl Nightingale was speaking about the strangest secret on earth. And in this message, he spoke about how men don't apply themselves, how life is all about your thoughts, and how if you don't believe him, test his theory by simply thinking of one thing for 30 days. Of course, you had to write the goal down and you had to believe that it could be done. Well, in a perfect world, I'd like to say that I listened to this message immediately. However, I'm just like you. I procrastinated at that time. So it took me a couple of months. But when I did finally listen, for some reason at 2 a.m. on that Thursday night in the middle of the summer, it clicked. And I took him up on that challenge. And I remember making my goal. At that time, it was very simple. I want to move to Atlanta. And it's as if saying those words out loud unlocked a part of my brain that I had not used up until that moment. My entrepreneurial brain. The brain we all use to get things done when things seem impossible. Because upon me saying that, I instantly thought about, well, how much would it cost for me to do so? I had never once considered costs. I was only interested in the achievement, but not the process. And that was big for me at that age. So I began to write down things like, how much is rent in Atlanta? How much money would food take or cost monthly? How much would I be spending on transportation? How, how much for this? How much for that? And I eventually came to some numbers that looked pretty impossible. However, since I was tapping to this brain, instead of looking at the numbers and me calling it quits there, I then below that wrote out how I would be able to achieve those numbers. And it's amazing because up until that moment, I had never been able to figure out how I was even going to get out of my mom's house. I mean, at 22 years old, how was I going to be able to take care of myself and do for me? Clearly, I couldn't just work all the time. And if I could, I mean, how would I get a job that would pay enough for me to experience the world? But in that moment, I was not thinking that way. I was thinking creatively. So I said, if it costs me this much amount of money to move and to sustain, then I need to save this amount of money before I do so. And out of nowhere, I got the genius idea to get a second job. And it's as if that unlocked another door. And I said, well, why stop there? Why not get three jobs? I mean, I don't have anything else to do this summer but work. What if I worked around the clock? Matter of fact, what if I worked every day, all day, all summer? Then how much money would I have? It was like a light switch had gone off in my brain. And I began to pursue the goal with a plan which is something I had not done. I had not done that in high school. I had not done that in college. I actually dropped out of college because I entered college without a plan. I was a music major and I fell out of love with music and I didn't have a plan B. Nonetheless, it was the hardest summer I had ever worked and I loved it. I felt that I had a personal mission I was attempting, a, a passion within me that nothing could take from me and everyone saw it. It was a difference in me stopped going out as much. As a matter of fact, instead of going out to party, I worked for a radio station at night and I took pictures of the party. 
It was genius. Then early in the morning, I worked at a spa at the front desk, sharpening my skills, talking to people. I didn't know it at that time, but those would be certain skills I would lean on later in life. In midday, when I would normally just hang out or go home and take a nap, I had a midday job where I was working at a call center. It's funny because at the call center, since I had a purpose, since I had a passion, since I wanted to do something else outside of work, I stood out. And it was no time before everyone knew what my goal was, to move to Atlanta. So interestingly enough, during that summer, I saved more money in three months than I had literally six or seven years of working. First job was at 14. I was mowing lawns in the neighborhood. It not only impressed me, it inspired me to think bigger and do more. So nonetheless, as the months and the days accrued, I eventually made it to the end of the summer and I told my mother I'm moving to Atlanta. Now, when she first heard me say that earlier that year, she said, okay, that's great. She didn't think it would be so soon, but then at the end of the summer, I told her, no, I'm really moving. Here's what I've saved and here's what I'm going to do. And that's when it began to be real. Now, moving to Atlanta, I remember thinking, I just want to be the best personal trainer I could be. I just want to be number one trainer in Atlanta. I didn't even know what that looked like, but I knew in my mind, if I were to be a trainer in Atlanta, this is how I would want it to be. So I developed this vision, this image, this energy of what that person would be like. And I I met that image with all of my might in the physical form, with how I carried myself, how I spoke, how I talked. And I began that journey. And this was in 2010, that journey of figuring things out, that journey of trying new things, that journey of being in a new place, that journey of developing as a young person, that journey of balancing my ambition and practicality and my logical mind and my spirit, that journey of doubt, that journey of fear, that journey of defeat. I mean, I ran out of money in no time when I was there. Eventually, I had to find a Craigslist deal online. And at the same time, I lost my car. It burned out on me 300,000 miles. So I began to walk places and it was a different energy. However, I didn't let it affect what I was building. I had clients at that time that never knew how bad things were. They just knew I was young and ambitious and wanted to help them. So that worked for me then. I suppose in a city where everyone was claiming to be something they weren't, I was the only one that was standing in my truth. And when you stand in your truth, people are more willing to help you. I believe sometimes our pride can stop us from our blessings. But when you are who you say you are every day, you allow people to find you give you things that you need and it was it was a very very moving summer but it didn't last long I was staying in a crappy place with people who didn't even speak English I believe the rent was $400 a month for everything I was always short at the same time I was mentoring others not by trade but they simply saw me not living in Tennessee anymore and deemed me a success so they would come to Atlanta and crash on the floor and we would brainstorm about what we were going to do later in life all night and you know looking back I would I would say those are some of the best years in my life. Given that things weren't as always bright and sunny, just the pure ambition that ran through our veins, that still runs through mine today, unfortunately has left many others. I would say that was the greatest feeling. It was free. It was free. We were free to think, free to dream, free to be. So I moved past those years because in time I realized if I was going to be this trainer, I was going to have to do things differently. And I eventually met someone at a part-time job I was working at, a gym. And this person saw something in me that no one else did. And our conversations turned into plans. And before you know it, I was convincing her to become my pseudo-manager. She was still in school at the time. And I told her, you know, I train you for free if you just answer emails for me and speak to the world on my behalf and enable me to flourish. She applied her administrative mind and we grew. We grew. Really like Jerry Maguire. I mean, it was it was me and her against the world. And we eventually uh, moved in together and same deal. I didn't have much to offer but my mind and my passion. So she allowed me to sleep on a blow up mattress in her living room while her and her cousin occupied the other two rooms. And we continued the brand, growing it from just something I was doing on the side 
to something I was doing in person, to something I was now doing under an LLC, to something I was now doing for the whole city of Atlanta in different capacities. And to think that me moving to Atlanta was sparked by an idea of me moving to Atlanta. And the business that I now had with someone else was actually a blog prior to me moving to Atlanta. So all of these things built and, and built and built. And in time, you accomplish things because success leaves clues. So in my spare time, I was always reading about more people more successful than me. More, more ideas were coming into my mind about what I could do and who I was. And years and years and years later, consistently being that vision of a successful trainer, consistently aspiring to be the best trainer everyone anyone has ever had, consistently dealing with the the backlash of making a mistake or misjudging a person's character or even my own and growing in those moments, never losing my enthusiasm, but wanting to learn and wanting to learn and wanting to learn and getting better and developing a brand and developing a logo and eventually saving up enough money to, to have a studio because the apartment we were using was beginning to be overcrowded because instead of 10 people coming to my boot camp, I had 50 and getting into social media and getting into Twitter and never judging myself, never judging myself, never judging myself, but allowing myself to fully express who I was at that time by tweeting all day and finally going from BlackBerry to iPhone and realizing like, wow, I can access all of my components of my company from my email to my Twitter to this new thing called Instagram all from this iPod that is actually a phone because it can text message you know growing building continuing to build continuing to grow continuing to fail continue to achieve beginning to travel more and see the world and develop who I really thought I was which would always be challenged to who I really thought I was, which would always be challenged. And eventually coming full circle after years of that, after years of that, after milestones, after movements, after the whole city received me, after the whole state recognized me, after the country began to praise me, coming full circle to what do I want to do now? I remember sitting in China on a rooftop in 2015, meditating, and it still was amazing to me that I had made it that far. I mean, the last five years had included going from working people out for free and losing everything and continuing to keep my enthusiasm for serving, walking to clients sleeping in a crappy Craigslist find, going to the grocery store with change, sometimes even sleeping at the park just because it would be easier and faster for me to meet my client there, to having the opportunity to meet someone who believed in what I wanted like I did and was fearless just like me, even was in the Navy, so had always considered her a little more fearless than me and us tag teaming on a whole market and never allowing the market to tell us what we should do, but doing what we wanted to do, doing what we felt was right. Going from having 10 clients to over 100, going from missing meals to making six figures in one year and traveling and renting convertibles everywhere we went, to having radio shows want to bring me in, to having magazines want to write about me, to having athletes want to hire me, to having those same athletes take me around the world with them, to having celebrities presuppose that if they're not training with me, they're not training, to having my own brand, my own mantra, to then having felt that I had done what I had intended to do. Not many people make it to that point life after the goal is accomplished. Not many people make it to that point. Not many people are fortunate enough to see something all the way through to the other side where there's silence, right? Because when you're building it, you're in it. You really don't get to witness it until it's over. Take the athlete who has a Hall of Fame career. It's not until he retires can he really appreciate the fruit of his labor. Can he really even think of how amazing the journey has been 
That's where the emotions come from. They finally catch up with you. And it caught up with me. I remember sitting on that building in China. I was there working with an athlete, Yelena Lachenka, one of the greatest humans I've ever met. And it was on that building that all the emotions began to come. I believe part of it was sorrow. Because no matter how much I tried to tell myself, I knew that I had to accept the fact that I was outgrowing where I was. And it was because I had did everything I had set out to do. I think when I set those goals for myself, I could see myself accomplishing them, but I didn't see myself after I accomplished them. I thought I would stay in a suspended state of fulfillment. However, I had surpassed that. And I also began to realize over the last year, it was beginning to show. The enthusiasm wasn't there as it was. It was there for me, but when it came to what was next, I just didn't want to think that far down the line. And my business partner could see it too. So in that moment, I began to think, well, what is next for me? And what do I want to do? And what could I be if I applied the same thing that the last six years have shown me into the next six years? And so I meditated. I remember it was the longest I had ever meditated in my life. Now, granted, it was a 21-hour flight to get there, and I did some meditating. However, this was not a flight. I was not stuck to a seat on a plane moving through the sky. I was on a building. And I was able to just sit. And I remember when I closed my eyes, my son was right behind me. And when I opened my eyes, the sun my son, as I say, was down. It had been a few hours. and I was still enough to see a lot in that vision. I remember seeing myself leading a people. I saw myself in international affairs and waters. I saw myself doing more for the world than I was for myself, which was big to me because a lot of the things that I had did up until that point were serving my only goal, which was to be the number one trainer in Atlanta. (laughs) What I also saw was me around new people, a new environment, and I immediately felt the shift of emotions from inspiration to sadness because that means I had to say bye-bye to a lot of things I had grown accustomed to. So it was in that moment that I accepted the fact that I was more than a trainer and I was more than Corey that I was all things and that the next step for me would be to allow God to use me in all of his endeavors. And the audacity to step out of your plans into God's plan takes courage because if you know God, you know that that means you may go through a whole nother cycle (laughs) of lack. You may go through a whole nother cycle of identity, meaning you will, like Moses, drop your rod and pick up the rod or like Paul you will change your name forever so that was in 2015 and from 2015 to 2019 it was a journey and I remember around 2017 after I had already made the announcement of what I want to do with my life it was a grandiose moment for me almost like LeBron in the decision you know I made a post online that I was moving to LA I had just got back and it was a great experience and I felt that this was next for me. And although a lot of clients did not like that, they knew as a man, as a young man who had inspired them by being the young, ambitious, fearless man that I was, that there was nothing that was going to stop me and that this was something that was very special because perhaps I do exactly what I say I'm going to do. It involves helping people and it's a beautiful thing. And I remember thinking that it was just going to be like Atlanta. I would just make a plan. I would, I would sell all of my things. I would minimize my life. At that point, I was really into minimalism and meditation. And I was beginning that spiritual journey of less is more. So I sold my car. I had a Jaguar at the time. I let it go. I figured that God would give it back to me. And, you know, I figured the brand would hold me up. I would just put a flag down and I would be able to continue onward and things would happen. And, you know, I couldn't have been more wrong. <laughs> I couch surfed in LA for a year before I really built a system of any sort. Luckily, I had built such a brand that the clients who were utilizing me 
knew enough of me to know that regardless of my circumstances, I was going to give them what others couldn't. I mean, my, my passion and my intelligence when it came to the body and how to change it and how to motivate you, it spoke for itself. Luckily, for social media, it always spoke for itself because those videos and pictures remained. So God blessed me with enough to do what I needed to do. And I had so much help along the way. So much help, so much love from people who saw what was in me and wanted to be there for me. And I can't say that I was the best to everyone who came around. I can't say that I was reciprocating every favor done for me. I can't say that at that time I was using my best thinking, as we all are. Even in this moment, we are using our best thinking. If we thought better, we do better. But what I can say is I was present. I experienced every day of the last few years in LA and every night. And over time, I began to see clear what I was wanting to do there. Because when I moved there, the goal was just to be there. And when I got there, I had to choose what I wanted to do when I was there. And it wasn't going to be the same thing in Atlanta. Even though that's something my manager wanted, even though that's something people wanted from me, I, I couldn't fake it. And I knew that maybe I would return to training again, but it would perhaps be in a different capacity, that maybe this time I needed to be connected to a deeper me to pull it off. And that's what I told myself I was doing, was developing. So if you listen to prior episodes, you knew I found a foundation. This foundation was called the Fate Foundation, PH8, Clean Water Foundation that really fundraises for other NGOs in other places to collectively accomplish the common good of meeting human needs. So I saw these crazy photos of them in Cambodia and Ghana, and I saw this cool guy named Gordon who was seemed to be the face of the organization. And I, you know, I just wanted to meet them. I wanted to be a part of that. I knew that my last life was all about leading others in fitness and health, but this looked amazing. I mean, this was traveling. This was so much bigger than the gym that I wanted to be a part of that. And he only took a few conversations on Instagram. And once I, when I moved to LA, he told me to find him and I did. And I immediately got to work and I immediately started serving. And during those years of couch surfing and serving with the Faith Foundation and developing these skills that later would be needed, the leadership and the intensity and also harp, harney, honing in on the skills that I had mastered in Atlanta, bringing people together, you know, I was great during that season with Faith. And I was beginning to become more clear about what I wanted to do. Who I wanted to be. You know, because as soon as you figure that out, it always changes. You're never going to hit a point where you're there. It's a journey there. So if I may, I want to read you an entry from my journal. Now, this was June 13th, 2018. I'm sorry, 2018. Wow. Yeah, 2018. And here's how the journal starts. My story begins in the middle. I'm about two hours into my return to L.A. from an eight-day, one-way experience in Mexico. This is the longest I've ever been away from clients and brand-building effort since my first mission trip to Cambodia last fall. As I sit in the chair in my girlfriend's apartment, two things come to my mind. A, wow, what a life I live. To be able to be on an eight-day gallivant through Mexico over the course of three resorts, ending in a two-day stay at a bohemian-style, eco-friendly hidden community with wood everything, new moon parties, and the ocean feet from our hut. And B, I need to do better. I'm at least $300 negative in my account. I have no money coming in and it's a brand new week. I have nothing but $2.75 to my name. I wrote, how could I be so high up in favor, resources, experiences, and be so low on funding, security, disposable income? It's like I know the secret the masses want to know and they the same, vice versa. It was on this day that I knew I needed to do something different. I had spent the last near decade pouring into the world through health and fitness, 
inspiration, motivation, and yet failed to miss the connecting point of what to do with that. I had become the cliche starving artist who is rich with experience and exposure, but poor in practice, finance, and economic freedom. So then I ask myself, am I truly free? And that's where this chapter begins. So that's a journal entry. Clearly, I'm transparent when I write to myself. That's big for me, for me to be honest when I'm talking to myself and to you. So I knew two things. I knew, one, I wanted to continue to travel. And two, I wanted to be able to serve while I traveled in my capacity by motivating, by inspiring, by being used to inspire people and nations to do more as I used to do simply for the gym. I took some time to figure out what that would look like. I took some time to figure out what that would look like. And I came to the realization that perhaps, perhaps there was something about philanthropy that I was connecting to. Perhaps there was something about the fulfillment of doing things that were bigger than what I'd ever done. That perhaps there was more to life than making money. But how do you make money if you need money to live? And you guys, it was a whole paradigm shift of how I looked at business, how I looked at commerce. And, you know, a few pages later, I really start to dissect what it is that I need. I'll, I'll, I'll read you an excerpt from the next few pages. I said, but think about it. What's better? Exploring parts unknown as a hobby and struggling in business to build clientele of a certain culture, mindset, income, or creating a business around the hobby. Therefore, tying in both markets. I put the next part of my story won't be written in Hollywood. It's truly about God and her favor. So I read you this and I tell you that as I sit in Southeast Asia on my back, feet crossed, looking at the trees. I'm building a program now for a foundation that could change the entire country. It's going to help a lot of people. And if done right, it can be scaled and help other countries. I'm also curating a lot of retreats around mindfulness that have more to do with how people see me living my life and how they want to live than it does anything I've ever said, any rant I've ever made. At the same time, I'm to be in a few other countries over the next few months solely to discover what's there so that I may create a way for others to connect to those particular places. And all of these are in a line with my legacy and my business. I'm embarking in a new space, shall I say, where I'm able to serve and receive the full value of my service. I'm able to see the world while I still secure my foundation as a man, as someone who will eventually have a family, as someone who wants to have stability. So I'm escaping the starving artist stage and I'm embarking on the true philanthropic stage, but not like Gates. You know, I haven't made billions and now I'm giving back. I'm, I'm giving back as I'm getting good at what I'm doing. And it's beginning to change my mind. And so I tell you that at this point in 2019, I'm just now finally doing what I wanted to do when I grow up. I'm just now becoming what I wanted to be by moving to L.A. I'm just now living how I truly desire to live when I thought about my life on that rooftop in China. I'm just now becoming the man that I figured I could be if I applied myself like I did those few months in Tennessee. Nine years of discovery. 
So let's go back to the initial statement that began today's podcast on the biggest weakness that I feel everyone struggles with. The biggest obstacle, the one thing all the books tell you about, all the speakers talk about, all of the quotes pertain to. The one thing that for me, I finally learned to love, not to loathe and not to fear, but to use as a tool in relationships, in business, in my lock journey. (laughs) That thing is time and the virtue is patience. And at 32, I've come to the conclusion that time is our greatest commodity. Not only our most precious resource, but our sharpest tool. Because time, time has gotten me where I want it to be. The goal was made, but it took time to develop. Who knew the goal itself would transmute into an identity of who I am? Who knew that time itself would be the factor in how I got so far from home? Who knew time was the one thing that which I could not control, I could impact with choice? So when the Bible says patience is a virtue and if a man has patience, he can have anything he wants, we look over that and say, oh, that's nice. But if you really look at anybody who is anywhere that you want to be, doing anything that you want to do, and you really take the time to sit and analyze the journey that they were on to get there, the many people that they had to become, to be able to do what they were doing in those seasons of their life, you begin to realize a commonality It was time that compounded, that created, that they drove to who and where they are. And that family is the one thing that I never knew was on my side that I now know makes most people judge where they are. I challenge you today to stop overestimating you and to never again underestimate the power of time. Perhaps you are still destined to be that thing you wish to be. You just aren't there yet. Perhaps everything you say you wanted is to be yours. It just isn't yours yet. So what do we do then? What do we do when we accept that delay doesn't mean denied? What do we do? You know what you do. You do what I've done these last nine years. You do what I'm doing right now in this moment. This is right before I turn the page in my life. This is right before these things happen. And I go from one to the next. I go from Corey to Cody, which is what they call me here. I go from coach to director. I go from ambassador to diplomat. This is right before that happens. This is right before that happens. You do exactly what I'm doing, family. You be present. Because there were things that were happening. There are things that are happening that are developing who I am. Because I don't want to get there and the there not be in me. You be present with where you are and you learn from where you are and you grow from where you are and you invest into where you are and you be authentic into where you are. One thing I can say as I look back is a lot of people aren't where they are because they are telling themselves they are somewhere they're not. And because of that, they're not getting the things that they could get from those present situations or circumstances. When I was a starving artist, I owned it. As an entrepreneur, I own it. As a philanthropist, I own it. I don't live a life that's not mine. Well below my means, I live. I speak only on things I know. 
And I'm constantly wanting to learn and grow because of the obligation and responsibility God bestows. Time. Time was my tool. Time has gotten me this far. And patience was the first thing I learned, the only thing I wished for, and now one of my greatest strengths. It doesn't matter what I'm doing now at 32. What matters is what I want to become in my mind. And I'm okay with this thing of mine taking my entire lifetime. I challenge you to look at your short-term goals as life journeys. And when the pressure removes itself, use that freedom wisely. I implore you to be patient and in that patience, be developing. I promise every day that God gives you, there's more to learn. And when the day comes that you pray for, you'll be ready. If you never lost sight of the fact that it was always coming because you accepted in this moment that things take time and that's a good thing. Nothing in nature is rushed, yet everything turns out perfect. Take your time to replay this message there will be more. Until we meet again, I am Corey Taylor. Follow me on Instagram at I am Corey Taylor. Support my humanitarian and philanthropic endeavors by donating through the link in my bio on Instagram. I'll see you next time. This was a Purpose Podcast. Shalom.